Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. Yes, the great Peter Neunschwander in Interlaken, Switzerland. We've been chatting a few minutes ago about all sorts of interesting things, all sorts of developments. Now Peter is going to look for work in all directions because, of course, his business, like many other tandem businesses in the world, are affected by the international market not being traveling. So it gives me enormous pleasure to introduce a guy that I also met in the end of the 90s, him and his mate Kriegel, who has subsequently become Somebody is to Briegel once or twice. They were together at Vertigo, and that's where I met these two monkeys. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Super to have you here, my friend. Same, same. Hello, hello. Good day, good day. Yeah, back from, from boring Switzerland in a lockdown situation, which is actually now coming better and better and better every day. As you mentioned before, yeah, our, our business is down almost to zero because uh, we have very, very um, international people traveling to Switzerland and especially to Interlaken. And really, like the, the, the hit is really, the impact is massive because the Swiss... Swiss people are not so interested in what we're doing, like paragliding and hang gliding tandem flights. And um, yeah, it's going to be a very, very tricky summer. Yeah. Directions where we're going is, is still a bit of a unsureness and we will see where we're going. It's definitely interesting times because you have to force yourself to to check uh, check options. And um, yeah, we when we talk in a, in a few months, um, I'm definitely standing somewhere else, but um. I think uh, tandem-wise this summer, um, I don't see, I don't look into that closer future that positive. Turkish Airlines said that somewhere in May they still plan to open. Uh, Qatar Airlines 1st of June and Emirates 1st of July. Then many other people are saying, forget it. For the next eight, nine months, there's nothing going on. Uh, there's not going to be big travels or anything like that. So very conflicting reports. Yeah, well, we see like it's it's also like a combination. Like the the tourists I was saying, like they always they often come here. They don't only visit our country. They they travel to Italy. They travel to France. And depends um, how we how we act with the borders. How 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 the the situation in every country is, and then every country actually is is handling it different. So it's like everything is is one big pie, and it's 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 connected together. And yeah, we we see what's going to happen. So, Peter, you're from a small village outside Interlaken. You were born in Interlaken. That's because in your small village, where the gene pool is small, like a whirlpool, you know the story of mommy and daddy, eh? And now you live in Interlaken. So you haven't gone very far, but you have yet traveled quite a lot. You have done bloody well in competition. Pretty much within two years, started to fly cross-country competition. Your very first World Cup competition was in 1999, and that was just three years after you started flying. So you got straight into it. Your acro partner, Kriegel, as I said, between 2000 and 2008, you two competed. You did 10 years at that stuff. And your last cross-country competition was in 2015 at the World Cup in Descenter. You've always had good scores. You've always done well. You've been a hell of a respected cross-country pilot, um, competition pilot on all the levels. But it hasn't really been like your main, main big thing. Uh, we know each other from Raul, who also did a podcast with me, lived down the road from you. and. I know it was a one-night stand with me once, Peter, but now you actually are with a woman. 
Since 2000, you have been in the Acro World Championships with Kriegel. You won the 2012 PWC in Mexico at Valle de Bravo, 2006. 2007, you were second on the podium at the World Acro competition, which was, of course, reserved for the Rodriguez brothers. 2013 is the only time you came to South Africa. You did very well in the PWC. Then you tasted hang gliding in 2010, 2011, and that took you to a different place. Now, 2013, just two, three years into hang gliding, you were already at the PWC in um, Australia. So you've been doing all sorts of things. You do cross countries with hang gliders, you train hang gliding, you uh, do tandems with hang gliding, but it's all hang gliding now. Why should I hang glide? Tell me, how is the feeling? Yeah, I mean, hang gliding was for a, for a long, long, long time in my mind. The thing was just because I was so busy, like doing aerobatics, I was I was competing PWC. So at the same time, I started to do some skydiving, and there were so many different things. I, I kite surfed and everything, so there was almost no time. I was I was almost too busy doing many, many different things, many different sports. And since I started to fly paragliders, there was always hang gliding somewhere in in my mind far in the background so I always wanted to do it but um, just took me a couple of years yeah like a bit like almost 12-13 years of paragliding until I finally did that step and the main thing was actually the the trigger on this whole story was Raul the one uh, you did you did the podcast before he, he became an, um, an instructor in hang gliding a couple of years before I did and he was the one pushing me and, and like saying hey come on let's let's do it it's fun it's nice the the body position on the belly the speed is just amazing and um, yeah and the um, day arrived when he was kind of dragged me on a, on a training slope and I did a couple of little little flights that was over in, in New Zealand then I slowly with the age I became older and older and older and kind of realized ah, aerobatics in paragliding you start to think twice when you fall past your wing and stuff like that so I was like oh okay maybe I'm, I'm get really getting old in, in doing aerobatics <laughs> so I'm more or less stopped as you as you said before I did the last competition aerobatics 2008 in Switzerland that was a Swiss championship and then more or less from that time or from that point on, I, I was able to, to do something else. And then I started like two years later in 2012, my um, my hang gliding license. And then the whole story started or started again because I was when I started to fly paragliders, we were a bunch of um, friends, all very young, between 16 to 19 years and we were a good crowd and we were just crazy about it. We, we always went flying. And then like 12, 13 years later, later this, this happened again to me, but just with, with hang gliding. And then, um, yeah, I was, I was fully hooked. Started also there because, yeah, competition is always my thing. I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person. I like to, to have the challenge with, uh, with, with friends in the sky, be as fast, as high, as, as crazy as, as possible. And, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a new career started with uh, being on a hang glider and um, so far I'm really happy and yeah it's just incredible the feeling like the way you usually dream like you you fly in the belly you you, you can go really when you do speak lights down slopes it's, it's just it's amazing but I also like to say I I like both sports I like I love to go back and forward from paragliding to hang gliding and back because every sport has his big pluses has also negative points and it's always depending on, on conditions which i prefer to fly on a hang glider or on a paraglider 
and uh, maybe logistics also. Obviously, the the really big um, kind of let's call it structural difference between Amazon and Paraglider is today hike and fly is extremely you know popular. Forget hike and fly with a hang glider; that's just not going to work. It also depends on, for example, an interlock. You've got a really nice setup. You can literally land your hang glider if you do it right, very close, and drag the thing with not too much effort to the side of to the car. When you know how to set up or break down, if you if you should be in South Africa, for example, with a professional team, then guys would be fully keen to help you really quickly to take the batons out and fold it up. And I guess in about what, let's say I had four guys on a hang glider, could I could I pack the thing up in ten minutes, uh, have it in its bag? Yeah, it's doable. I mean, with the routine, you're always also getting faster. And I'm I'm coming out of the whole commercial flying. It doesn't matter in in, in paragliding or in hang gliding because you 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 become faster and faster and faster. And the modern I would say flex hang glider these days, you can you can break down or build up in ten, eleven, twelve minutes, something like this. And um, yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If someone helps you, then then you're in faster. Of course, it's it's more work. It's um, a paraglider you just throw on the ground you pull a bit the a risers with a little bit of wind you're ready to go within within seconds almost it's definitely not possible on a hang glider for sure and but also yeah it's more bulky you need to definitely have a car you can't you can't just carry that thing on your shoulder and and, and walk up like yeah, you can do on the paraglider that's what i'm saying like Every sport has its disadvantages and his big advantages. Because flying lee sides with a with a hang glider or like somewhere around the corner when you have a venturi and in a valley there's a strong strong headwind. With a paraglider you feel like a, like a balloon and you're stuck. And with a hang glider you just pull the base bar back and then it's, you slide. Yeah, you 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 fly through with a hundred kilometers or even faster. And but on the other side with a hang glider you can't fly as close to the terrain as you would do that with a paraglider because you can almost scratch the the treetops or or the cliffs with your stabular line which is also a very very incredible feeling but it's i, I really don't want to compare those two sports it's um i love to play with both and it, they're both very fascinating i just like these days in in a, in a lockdown i i just found almost in my backyard two minutes walking away distance um from my house a little disappeared uh, or like i found out the new takeoff site less than 100 meters above the valley and now it's the challenge with a paraglider to go out there grab a thermal and, and climb and this is something what you can do on hang glider it's not doable does it feel restrictive in hang gliding to have that kind of not the easy hike and fly takeoff anywhere i hear you in a fun way saying you don't want to compare the two because the two are not the same thing the feeling is very different let me maybe give a, a different question. Convince me as a paraglider pilot to come and hang glide. Tell, tell me what gave you. Um, of course, it's sometimes pretty pretty tricky because um, you look outside a window and you see last moment, um, what shall I do? Shall I go in for a quick flight? And then if, if I'm in this situation, I definitely grab a paraglider because you're, you're super super fast and uh, decisions are, are easy to do so definitely there um, when you go and do a, a cross-country hang gliding flight you know the evening before so you plan it more you also should plan also a little bit like if you bomb out where can i bomb out you can't just fly and and, and see what's what's around the next corner it's, it's more planning involved to convince you as a paragliding pilot is like the speed, the speed um, you can reach on a hang glider is just um, very, very impressive. 
and that's Impressive, something. Eh? Yes, nice I mean word, with the with a with a paraglide like 60 65 and you're all you're already on a limit and that's where that's where a hang glider starts like on a on a on a very good hammer day cross country flying and um, between the, the, the thermals you fly with 80 to 100 kilometers an hour so you're really you're really really fast and um, the, the terrain is moving massive and that's something which is uh, yeah impressive i can i can just repeat that word that's that's pretty much what it is how many guys are involved in hang gliding in a competition these days? If you go to a big competition of hang gliding, is it still 100 guys showing up uh, like that? Big events, yes. Like Europeans and World Championships are usually more or let's say around 100 competitors. The problem there is a little bit with those big events is when it comes to fly like in, in certain areas, it's more like tactically you get to fly in gaggles and this is really tough. I mean, it's already tough to fly in gaggles on a paragliding competition because it can get very, um, yeah, you fly very close to each other. People are also a bit more aggressive in the in a, in a thermals. In a, and this is something which I personally don't like. So the, the, um, the numbers of competitors in the past were maybe going back a little bit. It depends a little bit also in what area. There were um, a few competitions in, in uh, northern Italy, for example, like having a real boom. So they, they were having more and more and more competitors. While others, like 30 to 40 competitors, like in a, in a very familiar, small, friendly uh, atlas. But yeah, I personally don't, I'm not one of these guys um, loving to fly in goggles. I'm, I, I'd like to fly or to try my own lines. If you're a handful of pilots with the same style together, then that's the cool, that's where it rocks. So you can really help each other. It's like in a cycling race where you can, you can push each other, but not like in goggles where like 20, 30 together. So that's usually for me a little bit of pain in the ass before race starts yeah oh you're exciting me very very big i'm trying to keep the monkey down sounding really 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 nice so convince me i mean let's say i'm going to be more in the alps how long would it take me what's what would be the process um, pretty much same same procedure as um, as paragliding so like two intensive days on, a, on the training slope and then first, first high flights. The thing is, the flying stuff is something you you can learn pretty fast because you know, as the paragliding, you know, you know, coming out of, of nothing. So you have an idea about how, how flying approaches, how to judge the wind, how to judge the weather. Hopefully, as well, how to judge yourself, which is probably one of the biggest. Um, uh, points in in being safe in this sports it doesn't matter if you paraglide or hang glide so it's all about like uh, are you the king or or not yet your self-confident is 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 building up in a short time too fast um, you're usually on the dangerous side but that's that's generally um, the same thing in in all the sports whatever you do you enter on a on a different level for sure that someone who has no idea about it but i would say like you do your 30 to 40 flights within um, within the supervision of an instructor, and um, from that time on, it, it just depends if you really if you got hooked from it. And if you got hooked from it, then then you always didn't then it's on your priority list on the top, and you always want to want to go again and again and again. So you 
we have to, to get a, a, a basic um, level first and then you have to f fly the real the real glider is what I always say and these are the like uh, for me it was the, the topless gliders so that was for me like the trigger point when I was first time hanging on a, on a dynamic side down in Italy on a topless glider fully fully hooked from hang gliding because there you really felt the performance and, and of course that big speed range then I also realized at the same time when I did my first um, topless flights I had about yeah I'd say like a hundred flights on my belt but I also realized hey if you want to if you want to be the boss of this of this glider, then then you have to invest, and then yeah, it's like you, you train yourself. You have to do as many launches, as many landings as possible. Um, you have to do some some uh, slope landing stuff like that. So it's like always step step one step after the other, and not not doing two big steps and. Um, a little maybe a disadvantage if you're coming from the paragliding into the hang gliding scene is that as a paraglider pilot, especially on cross country or on competitions, you can you can try. You always fly into valleys where, yeah, if it comes hard to hard, then you could even sit on a treetop, which you, um, you wouldn't kill yourself or you, you just damage your glider. But if you come with the same attitude in, in hang gliding, then, then you're definitely um, too risky because um, you need to look further in advance. It's like it's a bit like <laughs> driving in a weird way a truck instead of a small, small race car. So it's, yeah, but it's, it's just a normal human being common sense. And I think if you, if you, if you act like a normal human being, then you're safe, then you're all good and you're having a lot of fun with it. And, and the big careful you've got to be careful of is the landing, is it actually? So just planning landing a bit more, not, not shooting over the back like a paraglider. You might go half into the lee in one of the mountains in Switzerland. You don't really do that on an glider. You, you, you crank something up first and then you go. You... Absolutely, absolutely. This is something you definitely need more space. This is out of question. But also with modern hang gliders, there are draw shoots which you can really land into small fields or like slow planting is a very good um, uh, technique where you can land into small places especially here in the alps you have to you have to train that stuff of course in other places in flat um, areas australia brazil or stuff like that it's it's usually open fields it's, it's easier but this is you're right absolutely there this is you should reach a level where you actually where you're in the sky and you really like you're looking forward and then you can finally say yes now i can i can do a nice landing because Sometimes I have the impression that quite a bunch of pilots they are they have a bit of a fear before the landing because because they they know maybe far in their mind oh I haven't I haven't the best practice or or they just they're just lazy and they don't want to do like the the five ten minutes um, gliding flights anymore because they just they just do one big flight a day and that's it and then you're um, you're going through a season like that it it won't help that much but if you're still keen to do every small flights and on every flight you learn and every flight is a, is another landing where where you progress and that's i think you need to be hungry and you need to be motivated to land and that's i think that's the key point behind it so sometimes you can also yeah how shall i say you can also change your technique i see many 
pilots landing always with the same procedure, same, okay, now left arm, then right arm, and now wait, and then flare and stuff like that. There, there, there's stuff you can you can change, small, small things you can always change. And that, I think this, this also helps that you're not pushing a button and then, then it's a landing button, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe if I can rephrase it for you, maybe it would be that you want to be a little bit more flexible and you want to be able to pick up on your mistakes. And when a guy like you says to me, Steph, listen, every time in the last 10 landings, you've been doing that, 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 uh, please, uh, you need to relax those arms. You need to be putting that body like this and like that. And I think you need to be a bit plasticine at the beginning. And also going back to basics, one thing that was important that you said a few minutes ago is not being shy of those 10 and 20 minute flights, not every single flight. I mean, Peter, let's face it, I was in Austria last year at a weekend competition, three quarters of the field. Their ground handling was bloody horrible, dude, like horrible. So many near misses. Like It's the same, it's the same on a paragliding competition, even on, even on high-level um, competitions, when, when it's a bit tricky or windy on a takeoff site. It's a big mess, exactly. And it's like, I always used to joke and say like, hey, um, Helmet on, yeah. <laughs> Don't put yourself in danger, and it's a bit the same there. Exactly, it's like be motivated to do ground handling and to to play with your wing. This is exactly the same there in, in hang gliding. Not a different case. Uh, have you seen some horrible takeoffs at any competitions in paragliding that you'd care to share with me? What's the worst one you've seen? The worst takeoff, like maybe one guy, but that's that's long, long, long time back when 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 the windsock was like stiff, like we had. 25 30 kilometers wind um, this guy wasn't able to launch backwards so he tried to launch forward with the um with the competition wing and that was kind of um, an interesting thing to see so <laughs> i think after like the sixth or seventh uh, try it somehow worked out but it wasn't it wasn't really under control so this is this is ridiculous have you got any other funny stories you asked remember i gave you some homework earlier today peter come 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 the, the problem the problem with homeworks is that I never do them and the, the thing was uh, <laughs> I went with my wife and we did some uh, small grill session over lunchtime so I, I actually wrote the questions down but um, poof <laughs> homework failed so tell me were you just as bad at school because it sounds like you're quite a naughty boy the teacher told you to do something but you weren't your classic Swiss well-behaved boy huh? yeah yeah <laughs> classic Swiss <laughs> No, I could have done for sure better. Um, I wasn't the worst, but also like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I arrived now my 40th um, year of my life and I, I'm still I'm still around, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm still in the flying business. No, all good. All fine. I'm happy with life. Do you remember which was the worst glider you've ever owned or ever flown once? Anyone gave you a demo glider that you'd really, really were quite happy to give back to them just after that flight? Um, yeah, one of a little funny story was being that was uh, paragliding school. So I was um, I had a bunch of um, students and I went to the training slope with them. I had to organize some some um, material, some gear. And then a friend of mine said like, "Hey, I have the perfect schooling glider for you." Because of course, mm -hmm. I mean that's what I realized in the past. He wanted to get rid of it. 
And then I said, look, um, give it to me. I'm, I'm going and fly it. And then let's see if, if I can use that um, glider or not. And he was, of course, like, yeah, it's, it's almost brand new. One careful lady owner, blah, blah, blah. You know that story. When we arrived to the takeoff, yeah, like a minute or two before I got a phone call, so I had to go down as quick as possible. So the two boys, they kind of stopped, had a little break. And I, I ran up a, like 100 meters further up than these two guys and um, tried to launch there. I was even able to launch, but the problem was as soon as I was in the sky, the glider got immediately into steady stall without touching any brakes on. And then, funny enough, I was like steady stalling down and I, I landed like 10 meters next to these two guys having a break. And then I was like, okay, now you can have this uh, glider back. I take yours. Maybe it's better if you loop the A and the B lines before you try or doing the same stunt like I just did. And then I I, I tried to organize another school glider for for the other boys. So <laughs> this was uh, this was kind of a funny and interesting story with it. But you know how it is sometimes. Like people start to fly, they have a have a glider in a in a in the cellar and they haven't used it for years, and then they they think like, ah, oh, it's still worth something it. You got two kinds of people in the second-hand market, you know, the guys who yeah. really realize that what they are selling has been in the garage for 15 years and not used, and it's probably worth nothing. And then you got the guys yeah. who still really believe that thing is like 30% less than what they paid for it new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they won't still get squeeze some money out of it. But yeah, that was after this session. This was out of out of question. So maybe a good idea would be to load up a whole lot of hang gliders, training hang gliders, intermediate hang gliders, and your own, of course, uh, and come and meet us in Macedonia or something like that when we do have a kind of end to this. Even if tourists aren't coming to pay for our tandem flights, maybe uh, teaching some paraglider pilots how to hang glide this summer might still be a nice option. Yeah, Macedonia is not just around the corner for us Swiss people. I mean, for you, South African, maybe it is, but <laughs> for us, it's kind of a kind of a travel. You know, we we're living free in a small country. Like we're two two hours driving north here in in France or in Germany, two hours east in Austria, two hours west in France, two hours south in Italy. So you like Macedonia is pretty far away. <laughs> but um, yeah, why not? I have I have a good memory of Macedonia. We had a really, really interesting uh, European championships there. Macedonia was a country like also flying wise, really, really nice and interesting, very stable. Like we had them, um, we were able to fly almost every day. Also, sometimes a little bit too stable, like pretty tough to to climb, especially in the beginning of the tasks. But um, then flying was really cool. Like, why not coming coming with a with a load of gliders to Macedonia and and, and convince some some boys? Yeah, sounds like a plan. Eh? Absolutely. Last year I did a well, just for your for your interest. I think I, when I spoke to you when I was at Raoul's place in Switzerland, we unfortunately didn't see each other last summer, but I passed close to you, and. Um, I phoned you there and I did a calculation that I went to 26 countries last year. And one of the trips I did was down to Macedonia and Albania and uh, Montenegro on the way back in a place called Dumitor, which is unbelievably great, Peter. And we can meet each other there. And it's really, really nice place. So if no competitions are happening this season, no official competitions, I'm really going to try and lobby a few people together and say, hey, let's chuck some stuff together. Let's put it on the internet. And anyone who's keen on a kind of like a big festival, some competitions and festivals should happen once it's in Poland and the Ukraine. Next year, it's uh, definitely in France, Switzerland, that area. 
instead of people being left and right and all over the world at times, and they're all a little bit lost, like Saint-Hilaire Festival is fantastic, but every single year, does it have to be every year? Does the Paragliding World Cup have to be in Decentis every year? It can also be in different places and a kind of roadshow of a few comps together at the same kind of time, along with some testival kind of stuff. What do you think of that idea? Yes, but uh, for me, this was also a point where I kind of stopped flying um, PWCs because you, 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 all of a sudden, like you, you, you were like three times on the same spot in Italy because um, it was always the same organizer. I was really keen to go to always to foreign places. So I, I actually like that because um, then you see different flying sites, you see different cultures. Of course, sometimes it's nice to, to go once or twice on the same spot again. But um, yeah, I, I was more like, oh, okay, now it's getting a little boring after being five times in, in, in Valadares in, in Brazil. Like, oh, okay, I know kind of know this place now. So um, I was really interested to go to to new places. I, I like this kind of discovery trip and, and see other other places. I really, really enjoy the two and a half months I did in Norway. Last year I was in um, uh, Iceland for two weeks. One of the weeks was the Icelandic nationals. In Iceland, get a rental car, drive around, one week of competition, one week of kind of hike and fly with my Enzo 3, you know, just up some slopes and taking off anywhere where you can fly. Ah, fantastic. It was absolutely bloody brilliant traveling like that. Uh, and enjoying nature, short hikes when it's not raining or the weather's not bad. I was just thinking right um, before about maybe grab my, my little paraglider and to try my um, my spot my flying site here. But um, the problem at the moment is the farmer wouldn't like it because the grass is a little bit too high. So I don't want to I don't want to get on his nerves about this. So I don't want to be the target. So better to wait until he cuts his grass. I buy a piece of, of um, cheese from this guy and um, happy uh, happy life instead of <laughs> instead of he's running behind me with a with a with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> trying to kill me. You don't want to uh, irritate these farmers because you don't know how big uh, their uh, genetic makeup is or how diverse. <laughs> All right, brother. I think we're pretty much wrapped here. Is there anything else you want to talk about or any other themes? Have you got some other story you want to tell us? No, just um, like, as, as you said before, I mean, it would be nice to have a couple of um, good paragliding pilots or even any paragliding pilot trying the, the hang gliding, that would be awesome. And be open-minded and, and give it at least a try. It's not easy, let's say like that. Um, it, it would be nice to see see some, some boys being hooked again from, from something new. And at least that would happen to me. And that's that's really fascinating. Sounds absolutely fantastic. Peter, Neuenschwander in Interlaken. Look after yourself. Give your son a beautiful hug. Tell him that next time there's a magic trick. Say hi to all those who are forgotten friends from long ago and give them all a big hug for me. Will do, sir. Perfect. Cheers, Peter. Thanks Excellent. a lot for your time. Thanks. Ciao, ciao.